0: Hey, welcome to Equippers Church sermon of the week. My name is John Sparrow. I'm the lead pastor here at Equippers Church, and I'm thrilled you're tuning in. I believe the message you're about to hear is going to encourage you, inspire you, and equip you for life. If you'd like to know more about Equippers Church and ways to partner with us, please visit equipperscc.com. God bless. So, guys, you know how I've been talking about sword in the stone. I built this set this morning uh, to further illustrate the sword. Nah, the- no, I'm just kidding. Um, this is uh, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, and so we, we love sharing this theater with our community. Um, and it, it's extra fun because sometimes we show up and there's a castle on the stage. Like, you tell me what other church showed up to the church this morning and there was a castle on the stage. Um, so still looking, there's still some tickets available if you want to come see Beauty and the Beast put on by Napomo High School this afternoon. It's at 3 o'clock. Thanks, Dominic. Um, they do an amazing job. Mrs. Metchek who is my drama teacher in the seventh grade, is still going at it and producing superstars like myself. (laughs) I had one line in one play, and I still don't understand my line. It was like, I am strong, I am brave, I am a woman or something. It was so weird. I don't know why I didn't ask more questions. (laughs) Seventh grade plays, I don't know. Um, but hey, thanks so much for being here today. Uh, if you're newer to this, uh, my name's John. Uh, hi, Emerson. Emerson's a miracle, man. This guy, uh, the, the hospital last week said that he had pneumonia, and so because of some complications, they sent him to Stanford. We prayed, people prayed, and when he got to Stanford, they were so guaranteed that it was pneumonia, they started treating him before they did a next x ray, they did an x ray, no sign of pneumonia. And then they did a next x ray, and his whole life they, they told him he had scoliosis, and, and then they did another x ray. He doesn't have scoliosis. So come on, Emerson. <clears throat> That's amazing. I love what God does in the babies of this church. Um, but my name is John Sparrow, and lead, I'm the lead pastor here and serve alongside an amazing team of people. and. I just want to acknowledge once again how uh, valuable you are to us and how uh, appreciative we are that you would spend the first fruits of your week here in this room. Uh, according to the Bible and what we believe, Saturday is the Sabbath. That's our day of rest. It's actually not Sunday. And to quote Kanye West, because I think every preacher has to quote him at least once now because he's like a Christian. And, um, he, in his lyrics, he says, some stay the weak start on Monday, but the strong start on Sunday. That's a good word. Um, and this is actually the first portion of our week. This is our first fruits is the first part. There's about 100 there about there's 168 hours in your week. And how you decide to spend this first portion, I believe, is going to set the trajectory of what happens in the other about 166 hours of your week. And so good for you for pushing through the fog this morning of your life and the busyness and getting your family up and getting them ready and working through the argument on the way here. Whatever the circumstance was to get in this room, I believe that God is going to do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine And uh, it's important, according to Hebrews 10, that we don't forsake getting together. It's really important. I know there's temptation, there's YouTube, there's podcasts, there's a lot of things happening out there that are really good, but you can't manufacture the gathering of believers in a place of worship. It just won't work. Um, And uh, can we also celebrate last Sunday? How fun was last Sunday? That was so fun. We had uh, what we called Family Sunday uh, the kids had pom poms and stuff, and we singing and dancing, and we were at next door in the NPR, and uh, we got to see baby Andrew dedicated and a couple of people baptized, which I, I just love being a part of that. So it's so good. But um, we're gonna kick off this this series called Distinctly Christian, and uh, I, I, I yes, I'm wrapping up last series, but it's entering into a new series, and I think this is gonna go till at least Easter. And um, I, I just really want to know, like I said, I want to know what distinguishes me as a Christian. I, I, I want to know beyond just national religion of Christianity, which is a blessing. We live in a Christian nation. But I, I, I want to distinguish what distinguishes me as a Jesus follower. What are some of the marks of my life that set me apart, that makes me different, that actually causes me to say, follow me as I follow Christ, as pos- po- the Apostle Paul would say of his life. And, and so... We're going to go to Scripture, and we're going to begin to unpack some of these foundational truths um, that are, they are foundational, but they're not common. This is supernatural stuff. This is not just your ordinary, and I know we can hear it over and over, and it be, can become mundane, but I challenge you to look at Scripture with fresh eyes, and I challenge you to embrace some of these concepts with a fresh faith. Amen. Can we agree to that? Amen. And we need, like, a little bit more interaction, just because that helps. Can we say Amen. 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 Thank you so much. That really helps uh, when I feel like I'm with people in the room. So we're going to go to Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 4. If you don't have your Bible, we got the Bible in the sky. It says this, But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. I love this line. So there was great joy in that city. How many of you know when revival happens, there's great joy in the city? In verse 9, a man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one or the power of God. They listened closely to him for a long, because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. But now the people believe Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went and was amazed by the signs and the great miracles Philip performed. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given, when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied correctly, so may your money be destroyed with your thinking. God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this for your heart is not right with God. For your heart is not right with God. And this morning, I want to I speak on the subject of the Holy Spirit. Can we go on a journey together on the subject of the Holy Spirit or better phrase, the person of the Holy Spirit? This is going to be a two-part. I'm going to do one part this week, and then my dad's going to do the next part next week, okay? So like if there's missing links and you're hungry for more, don't worry. We got a whole nother week on the Holy Spirit next Sunday. And uh, I, 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 I'll expound this passage a little bit further uh, because it's a bit interesting. It's a bit unique how a sorcerer gets saved, and then he doesn't know what to do with his salvation, and, and he thinks the Holy Spirit is something that it's not. So we're going to unpack that. But I, I've traveled uh, probably more internationally than I have domestically, partly because my dad was a a full-time itinerant preacher when I was growing up. So we'd go to different countries and things, and now as an adult, I I do the same. And it's so good to be a part of a global church family. And it's so funny because uh, often I'm the only American in these settings because we're the only American Equippers Church so far in, in California. And so I go to these countries, and I'm distinguished as an American. And it's you would think that I'd be distinguished as an American by uh, like our president or our politics or our entertainment industry or you know, there's some screaming loud identifiable uh, uh, things about the United States. Would you agree? There's like a lot we could be distinguished by, but the thing that I've noticed over and over again is that as an American, I'm distinguished by the the way I say the word water. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, we're having a good time, we're at a restaurant, we go to order, and I say, I'll have a water, please. And then everyone's all, you say, water? I don't know what it is. I don't get what they're talking about, because they all have accents. Jesus spoke American, so they need to give over themselves. But um, it's like, out of all the things I could be identified, it's like the way we say water, and it's a consistent theme of every country. Like, people just can't understand how we say the word water. And so, as I was thinking through this series, I was thinking, like, There's so many ways that we can be identified as Christians, and sometimes we get pigeonholed in in these little identities, and this one thing that when you look at it in light of Scripture and your experience, like, that is such a minor thing. Like, why are we pigeonholed into being understood as that little thing, whatever that might be for your life? But, like, there's so much more, would you agree? There's so much more. And so I want to talk about the Holy Spirit This morning, and how he is the one who identifies us, and he is the one that distinguishes us as Christians. It's his Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus living inside of us. And in in Galatians, I don't have a scripture, but Paul said this, there's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So besides what identifies us as citizens, gender, socionomic status, all the things that are identifiable identifiable on a spreadsheet. If we've erased all those lines, and he says there's no longer Jew, nor Greek, male, nor female, you are just a body of Christ. What identifies that body? And I believe it's the Holy Spirit first and foremost. And so you ready for a lot of scripture? Are you ready for a lot of scripture? Woo! Come on. So Acts Acts chapter 8, we just read about Simon the sorcerer, and to to paint a picture of of the the scene here, um, the good news had captivated a small group of people that we called the apostles. They had walked with Jesus, they had been with Jesus, they had encountered with Jesus, and the message of the good news of the gospel, it, it began to spread throughout their region. And great persecution came on the church, and so uh, the way that passage started, it said the Christians who were scattered, or those who were scattered. So because of persecution, the good news of Jesus began to scatter. It began to actually get into the hearts and the homes of people who didn't look like them, sound like them. And actually, there was, there was some bad blood between Samaritans and Jews. There was generational boundaries that they had established because some blood that was on their hands from generations gone by. And so it, it was hostile. It was not nice, Jews and Samaritans. And Jesus broke that stereotype and he broke down that boundary in Matthew 4 when he encountered the Samaritan woman by the well. And we're gonna see it again happen here is that the gospel begins to spread and it gets to people that we had discounted, that we had considered not fit, not worthy. They were going to be a sub plan in the great plan of God. The Jews were the chosen people and the only chosen people. But how many you know persecution can mess that up real quick? And the gospel began to spread, and they said, Oh my gosh, every soul needs saving. And the, better yet, like they're responding. They all have the same human condition, they all need a savior. And so, beyond the Jews, the Samaritans were starting to believe. And so, Philip goes, and people respond to Jesus, and they get baptized in water, like we celebrated last week. There was a baptism in water, a forgiveness of sin, symbolic of the old life leaving and raised to life and new life like Christ. And they had received that baptism in Samaria. And then Philip, uh, I'm sorry, Peter and John, they catch wind of what's happening in Samaria and they go in for reinforcement. So they send in the the big guns and they come to add weight and they say, these people have, have received Jesus, but now what we know is necessary, I want you to follow me here. Now what we know is necessary for the longevity and success of your life is the Holy Spirit. And so they now begin to baptize people in the Holy Spirit. And so, yes, as Christians, we're baptized in water, signifying the old life is gone and the new life has come. But we are also, we receive another baptism by the laying on of hands. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so I think we can agree that if they saw a desperate need for these early Christians to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, how much more so now do we have a desperate need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So I want to unpack who the Holy Spirit is, and the best place to start, this is a rule. You can write this down. You don't have to pay me extra for it. It's all good. Here's a safe rule. If you want to discover something, unpack something, study something, start with what Jesus said about it. Did you catch that? Start with Jesus, and then fill in your own gaps after that, but start with Jesus. So here in John 14, 15 through 17, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he, he, he says this, if you, love, if you love me, obey my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. I want you to remember the word advocate. It's really important this morning. Who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now. And here it is, will later be in you. We're living in the later, <laughs> where he's in us. And so Jesus is letting his disciples know, even though that he's got to leave, it's actually better that Jesus left, okay? I, I know we, we think a lot of times, man, it'd just be so much better if Jesus was here, but Jesus made it plain and simple, like, it's better if I go. Because if I go, I can leave the Holy Spirit. And the, when he says, leave one who is like me, it literally means little Jesus. <laughs> it's like the full embodiment of God Jesus with skin and bones on. It's deposited into us as human beings. It's Jesus with us. And so it adds a whole new weight, doesn't it, when he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Like Jesus is literally inside of you. He's made his home in our hearts. We're temples of the Holy Spirit. And so they were worried about him leaving, but he, he brought this sort of comfort that he'll be with you. And so advocate is a really important word here when we understand the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus is making a promise, and this promise comes with a description, which is so fortunate, because I know mean, so many of Jesus' promises don't come with descriptions or roadmaps. We covered that a little while ago, like, just go and then I'll show you. <laughs> go to the land that I will show you. and I, I can't find that on a map. And so Jesus actually gives a description to his promise. He promises the Holy Spirit. And I want you to understand throughout scripture, the Holy Spirit is likened to things. He's likened to wind. He's likened to fire. He's likened to a dove. But the Holy Spirit isn't those things. He is likened to those things. Can we understand that? Because what I wanna establish right from the beginning is that the Holy Spirit is not a power. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is equal parts of the Trinity. It is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is not the wind, although he will display himself as a wind. He's not fire, but he will display it. He's not a dove. He is a person, not just a power, which is really helpful in understanding his new title that we just discussed. His title as a, as a, as a person is advocate. Or other versions say helper. That is what he does. He is our advocate. He is our helper, and he is a person. And so the, the title of him, as advocate, helper, it, it speaks to his function and what he does for our life. And, and I just want to say this simply, if you're taking notes, whatever it is, in its simplest form, the Holy Spirit is given to help your life. <laughs> it's like if you want to be distinguished and you want the, the upper hand in life, you're distinguished by the Holy Spirit. He's given to you as an advocate, as a helper, to help your life, to come alongside you, to advocate for you. And and look, I I, want to debunk a few things in Christianese that we say often, and I understand them, and I say them myself, but one of the things, if you're new to this, you've probably heard us say this term, like, I just got wrecked by the Holy Spirit, and you're like, do I have to do that? (laughs) Like, I understand the gesture, but I want you to understand right now, the Holy Spirit don't wreck anybody. He builds, he restores, he redeems, he advocates for your life. And yes, I understand we're undone in his presence and there's an undoing of our flesh, but what the Holy Spirit does is he advocates for you. See, you're living in the middle of a war. There's a battle over your soul, whether you know it or not. There's a battle over your soul as you sit in these seats. What the Holy Spirit is doing is he is advocating for you. So he's reminding you, he recalls to your mind, as Jesus explained further in Matthew 14, the blood of Jesus, the power of the cross, the power in the name of Jesus and when the enemy comes to breed lies, insecurities, shame, guilt, condemnation, the Holy Spirit is advocating for you in breakthrough. He's advocating for you in freedom. He's advocating for you in strength and security and promise and fill in the blank. He's advocating and helping your life. Can we say amen? amen? That's the role of the Holy Spirit, is to help you, to be an advocate for you in your life. He's an advocate. And... Uh, the, the portion I'm gonna cover primarily this morning is uh, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. And so, like we said, the Holy Spirit is likened to a dove, right, in Scripture. And what's amazing about doves, real doves, as you study doves, that doves have nine bones in each of their wings. I don't know all the scientific names, but there's nine bones that make up the, 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 the frame for doves' wings, And what we're going to discover as we lean into the Holy Spirit is that Paul identifies nine fruit of the Spirit, and then he identifies nine gifts of the Spirit. And so it's really the balance of those things and the operation of those things in your life that brings flight to your life. It's really the both and. So I'm going to cover probably maybe the left wing. I don't know. Please don't read into what I just said. (laughs) It sounded terrible when it came off my lips. And uh, my dad will cover the right wing. (laughs) Um, But we're going to talk about the balance of those things and the Holy Spirit actually working in your life because He is a source in you, and He's not just something that comes on you. And so, I want to look at this in Romans eight nine through eleven. This is so good, guys. I, let, just let the word of God wash over your life as I read this. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit, if you have the spirit of God living in you. And remember, those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. It's an identifier. It's how we're distinguished. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The spirit of God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you, and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. That's worth an amen. It's a spirit that brings life, and I just always want to remind people in this place that we don't serve a God who makes bad people good, we serve a God who makes dead people live And I don't know how dead you feel on the inside or how dead your neighbor feels or how dead your child feels, whatever it is. It's the spirit of God that brings life to our mortal bodies. And if he can bring life to Jesus, who was in the grave for three days and rose again, that same spirit, that same power is at work within our lives. So we can expect what? Life. We can expect life by walking in the spirit. And so like I said, I'm going to talk about the function of the Holy Spirit, the function of the Holy Spirit And the function I'm going to talk about is fruit. In Galatians um, 5, 16 through 25, it says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite Of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Look, that's just like a bad resume for life. (laughs) And I was at Starbucks the other day working. It was Monday afternoon, and and uh, I, I eavesdrop all the time. Anybody? I, I wish I could be a professional eavesdropper because I'm good, so good at it. And um, so I'm just working. I'm listening to a job interview behind me. And the kid's like maybe 20-something, and the interviewer's really professional. And I, I don't know the job necessarily. I'm just chiming in when I hear the question. I know it's a job interview. So what do you consider yourself good at? Or what are your strengths? And look, maybe this is just a new generation thing, but the kid said, gaming. I was like, oh, no. (laughs) This guy's not going to get the job. And I'm like, oh, man. So the guy's real cool. The interviewer uh, tries to encourage him. Oh, my son plays video games. What video games do you play? And, And then to make things even worse, he says, I can fly airplanes, too. I'm like, there's no way this kid flies airplanes. So he's talking about airplanes and flying, and, and, then, and then he says, well, I've never flown a physical airplane, but I've done the simulators, and it's, it's the same thing. I'm like, oh, man, this guy's digging himself a hole. And then, like, I don't know what happened in between. I was, I was try, trying to work and tune out, and then all I hear, the, yeah, I tend to procrastinate. I'm like, dude, dude. <laughs> No one told this kid how to interview for a job. And then I was like, you know, I love this guy. He is so honest, <laughs> like nothing hidden, no shame. And I don't know what happened, but I can almost guarantee he did not get the job. But like, I, like this passage, this is like a bad resume. When your life looks like this, it's just not good. And I don't know how else to say it. It's just not good, but there's good news. It, it, it's here in verse 22, is this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we're living by the Spirit, let me say that again, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every area of our lives love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control and and, and a lot of times we see a lack in one of those areas of our lives and I remember you know asking God for patience and you know, going on a journey trying to learn patience and or, or trying to learn kindness or faithfulness and whatever it is for you, self-control. But can I tell you that those aren't individual tokens that the Holy Spirit gives out one at a time? This is the fruit of walking with the Spirit. And so if you walk with the Spirit, your life will display love. If you walk with the Spirit, your life will display joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. This is fruit of walking with the Spirit. And what what love, that's an agape love. It's it's an intimate sort of love that is unconditional between one another. Joy, I I love this. Joy, it it speaks to a state of rejoicing. I know happiness can be fleeting, but joy is a state. It's a state of rejoicing. Peace, I love this. Peace is defined here as freedom from worry. Ah. Oh, could you imagine? Freedom from worry is how peace is defined. And then it goes on patience. There's calmness to your life. There's an ability to wait kindness and kindness is is defined usefulness and so God by his spirit he makes you useful to people that's kindness you're willing to be used by God goodness that speaks of generosity benevolence you're used generously in your goodness faithfulness I love this faithfulness is defined what can be believed (laughs) I mean it would be great to be distinguished as a as a person that someone could trust You know, I I believe the words that come off John's lips. Why? Because he's he's a Christian. And a a lot of times that's not true, is it? People think that we have some sort of agenda. There's some sort of of scheme that we're talking them into. But how, how I know that when you're led by the Holy Spirit, there's faithfulness to your life. You can be trusted. You can be believed. Gentleness speaks to humility. And I love this. Gentleness speaks of bridled strength. So, it's not that you don't have a backbone. <laughs> it's not that you just curl over and let the world walk all over you. It's that you have learned the discipline of bridled strength. You know that you are a son of God, a daughter of God. You know that you are royalty. You know that you are strong. You know you carry breakthrough, but you know that you don't let that to be to the detriment of other people. You know how to bridle all that strength to be humble before other people and use it to serve one another. That is gentleness. And then self-control is pretty self-explanatory. You know how to control yourself. I'm just believing that here pretty soon that both my daughters get saved and they get filled with the Holy Spirit and they begin to display these attributes. Praise Jesus for their salvation. No, I just No, I'm just kidding. Um, look, these... Uh, I, I want to just explain that on this wing of the Holy Spirit, the, the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that it's only in the context of community that words like patience, kindness, and generosity make any sort of sense. Like these descriptors are not for our relationship with God. God is perfect. And without the filter of humanity, He's, he's trustworthy. And without the filter of your Father, He's good. And what we can see is that it doesn't really take the fruit of the Spirit to love God. What the fruit of the Spirit is, why it's given is to love people. And so I had this really challenging phrase come to mind when I was preparing this message, and it was this, I love half the Holy Spirit. Oh, because this half requires people. (laughs) Like, I love the part where it's just me and God and 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 we're gonna get to that a little bit next week. And yes, our gifts are to serve, but there's this environment, there's this presence, there's this feeling that comes from the Holy Spirit that is really good. It's addicting in some sense. It is pleasurable. It's the encounter with the Holy Spirit in worship and times of prayer. And when it's just you and God in connection by his spirit, and that's the part of the Holy Spirit that we can obsess over and love. But can I tell you, there's another wing (laughs) And that wing is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control for the sake of what? Community, relationship. It's nitty-gritty. It's a little bit challenging. It requires something of ourselves. And I, I just pray that as a church, we embrace the fullness of God. We embrace the fullness of his spirit. Wayne, who rule, when he was here teaching our, our, our worship team, he, he used this story and there was this girl who was on a worship team at the church that they were coaching. And she said, yeah, I'm gonna go to a different church now. I'm gonna go to a different church um, because I I don't like people and I just wanna soak with God. I just wanna be in his presence because I don't like people. And I just have to ask, what God are you soaking in? (laughs) That's not God, (laughs) That's your emotions. That's your indulgence. That's your escapism. That's the same thing that leads people down a destructive path of addiction. When you worship something so you can escape people. That that's not our God and I just want to establish that. It's impossible to not get in his presence and not have a burden for humanity. It's impossible to get in his presence and not be challenged like, hey, hey, I'm not gonna forgive you unless you forgive other people. It's impossible to be in the presence of his spirit and not be full of the function, not be full of the fruit that is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> It's in the context of a community that God is, that, that we actually get to see what God's doing in our lives. And this one actually gets me emotional because without community, we don't get to see God. <laughs> I mean that. Without community, without doing life together, without being, rubbing shoulders with other humans, we don't get to see actually what God is doing in the lives of some other people. The lives that were addicted the lives that were really angry, the lives that were really bitter. That's how we see God in the transformation of humanity that comes through community, the context of church and being planted in a house. And Jesus actually said it this way in John 13, 34 through 35. I think I, 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 think I'm, I don't have more scriptures. That's okay. Um, he said this in John 13, 34. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So you wanna see revival, you wanna see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, you love one another. Psalm 92, verse 13 says this, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bear fruit. They shall do what? They shall bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. I'm going to read you an excerpt, Uh, Jessica, you can come. I'm going to read you an excerpt out of our our Quip course when we talk about community, and and it's pretty challenging, but I think it's really going to help our lives. See, it, it says this, Today people readily leave churches if they see something wrong in leadership or with people. Yet remaining where God has placed us is vital to our success. It is those who are planted in God's house who will flourish. Let's look further into this sometimes challenging dynamic. When a fruit tree is put in the ground, it has to face rainstorms, hot sun, and wind. The harshness of the elements causes it to seek another source of life, and its roots go deeper underground. It will one day come to the point that even the greatest of windstorms cannot affect its ability to produce fruit. There's a difference between being planted in the ground and being planted in a pot, In a pot, if the surroundings become challenging, then the pot can just be moved somewhere else. But being truly planted in the ground allows roots to go deep and build strength into our lives. In church, we want our roots to go down deep like we are planted in the ground, not just in a pot. To grow and become all that God has called us to be, we need our roots to go deep. If your roots aren't deep, you can't go as high. And so there's this, hunger in my soul to do community well in a way that I see the Holy Spirit achieve his goal in my life in the fruit that he brings. And Jeremiah 17, seven through eight says this, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a river bank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. I'm gonna encourage you this morning. That the goal in this gathering, the goal in this community, the goal hopefully in any church is that we get to grow old together and we get to add strength to each other and we get to celebrate each other and we get to resource each other and we get to encourage each other so that no matter what happens, no matter what life brings, there's a strength to your left and there's a strength to your right and there is an ability in the body of Christ and those who are planted in the house of God to bear fruit in every season of life. To bear fruit regardless of age, young or old, because you're connected, you're, you're to the source and you don't have to get up and move just when someone bothers you. No, that's an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to work in your life, through your life in the area of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. There's an ability to hash it out. And I was challenged a long time ago that I was, I, I traveled, um, for a bit and with, with a worship guy. And, you know, we would do camps and have these big faith things. And at some point I was in relationship with Lene and our nights and days would look very different sometimes. Like I I would have like morning to evening, fasting, prayer, worship, encounter. It was just amazing what was happening in some of these meetings and gatherings, but like she was working at Marie Callender's, you know, and it was just very different. And, and, then, and then like we would meet up at some point and I was in the presence of God and she was at Marie Callender's and I didn't have love, I didn't have joy, I didn't have peace, I didn't have patience with her. I didn't have this sort of stick it out, truth telling faithfulness with her. And I had to question, was I in the presence of God? <laughs> it's a challenge. Because when you encounter the spirit of God, he produces fruit in your life. If you get knocked out in the power of God, I hope that you wake up with the fruit, the Holy Spirit operating in your life. You know what's true across the board? At restaurants and communities, tips are down on Sunday afternoons. Restaurant employees don't look forward to the after church rush. They're the rudest and they're the stingiest. It's true. If you know anybody who works in a restaurant, that that is a true statement. We can't call ourselves of the spirit if that's the case. We gotta be generous, let our lives show goodness. We have to have patience, we have to show love, we have to show a, a real joy that goes beyond circumstance. See, what, what, what really distinguishes us as Christians and those who are led by the Spirit is when the community says, I can't wait for Sunday after church. I can't wait till I get to work because I, I work next to a, a Christian. Man, you should meet my cousin, Jeff, he's a Christian, man, you, you won't be the same. I can't wait to get around a Christian because of the fruit that their lives produce. it's through the context of community that we are strengthened in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so going back to Simon the sorcerer, uh, you know, he thought that the Holy Spirit was a formula or a manifestation and that somehow the Holy Spirit could be bought, which is really dangerous. And it's so funny because as I was reading this, the, the answer to his problem was in his name. His name is Sorcerer. And the Holy Spirit isn't a, is a formula, it's a source. <laughs> he was looking to the outward manifestation, he was looking to the gift, he was looking to the appeal of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit isn't those things. He's a source. Simon the Sorcerer. Come on, dude. Say your name out loud and you'd get the point. It's the source that matters. And another term, and if I can challenge your mind one more time, is, is this whole concept of, and it's attached to the Holy Spirit, I need to go and get filled. I need to go and get filled. And I, again, understand the gesture. I understand the motivation behind that, that statement. But according to Scripture, you were never meant to go and be filled. You were meant to stay and be filled. See, Jesus said it like this in John 15, fifteen four remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. The point here is to stay connected to the Holy Spirit. So you don't don't treat Sunday mornings as a gas station where you come once a week and and you get your tank filled up, and then and and then you wait till next Sunday get your tank filled up and. No, no, the point is abiding. The point is relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. And I think what the, what the world needs and the distinction of Christians and what's going to distinguish us in the perverse times that we're living in, the challenging times that we're living in is, is yes, the gifts, yes, the manifestation, yes, the, the spiritual expression. But I think beyond that, what's gonna really identify the church and set us apart is those who are led continually by the Holy Spirit, that walk with them, that work with them, that, that let us challenge our mindsets, that lead us, he leads us to forgiveness, he leads us into truth, he leads us, in, leads us into love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. See, the point is to be connected with the Holy Spirit. And uh, if I can summarize it like this and wrap this message up like this, uh, I don't know if you, you guys have ever seen a well. I was gonna use a photo, but our screen was small because the beast. Um, and uh, a well. And uh, what happens with a well is that like there's water in it and then you put a bucket in it and then there's like a surplus of the water that's in there to to take from to, to be quenched in your thirst. And the thing about a well is that it's not water that's deposited into it that's provisioned for other people. It's the water that comes out of it that's provisioned for other people. And so, when we talk about the Holy Spirit it's 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 a well we're connected to a source our roots go down deep into God. We're connected to His Spirit, and it's a source. So no matter the heat, no matter the season, no matter the times, no matter the geographical location, and I get so sick of people saying, well, once I get there, I'll do this, or once I go there, I'll be this, or once, no, no, no. Wherever you're planted, wherever you're at, you connect to the source, which is the Holy Spirit, and I, I just ask you to watch. Watch the way the Spirit begins to well up in your life, and He begins to fill you with His presence, and the best thing about a well is that it's not just for you. We're talking about the gifts and things next week, and, and the fruit is that you're full from the source and you're overflowing. You're full and you're overflowing. And I, I feel so unashamed in the, the message of the Holy Spirit. I, I'm really discouraged sometimes watching people try and manufacture this process in their lives to find fulfillment in other things, to find fulfillment in their accumulation of goods, to find fulfillment in who they associate with. and I tell you, there's a source and his name is, the person is the Holy Spirit. And so would you stand with me this morning? I know this was maybe a little bit different for me in terms of just teaching, but I hope that we can get our head around the principles that were communicated this morning. And I never want church to end with principles. I don't want it to end with teaching. I want it to end in transformation in some sense. And so if you would just close your eyes and or whatever you're comfortable with in, in this room, however you posture yourself before God, the real challenge I, I felt through this series is, like, God, would you return to me the joy of my salvation? God, like, I, I don't want to be that church in Revelation where Jesus is like, hey, you forgot your first love. <laughs> I don't want that to be our story. Yeah. And so this morning, I, in the midst of all the things we'll talk about and all the things we'll discover, I, I just want to give you an opportunity to receive afresh the Holy Spirit. That connection like if there's a portion of your life that admittedly is like, yeah, I, at some point I lost the source, <laughs> at some point it became my strength, at some point it became just about those, those moments where I connect with God, but it, 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 it's been kind of about the moments and not just about the momentum that he brings to my life. It's not about the source at the moment get in environments where I feel God, but I want to be a well. I want to be connected to the source, which is his spirit. If that's you and my hands are lifted, if that's you, would you just lift your hands in a posture of receiving? God, I want a fresh baptism in your Holy Spirit. I want to be overcome by you, God. I want to be overwhelmed by you, God. I want to experience once again the source, or maybe you've never experienced that, And you say, well, you have to receive Jesus first. Well, in Acts chapter 10, there was actually people who were being baptized in the Holy Spirit before they were baptized in Jesus. Get your head around that. And so if this is new to you and you say, man, I want to experience that sort of life where I'm full and I'm overflowing, I'm connected and there's fruit and there's function of the Holy Spirit in my life, would you lift your hands just in a posture of receiving the Holy Spirit afresh over your life? And we're going to pray a prayer together, and it's going to be really simple. But I I believe that it will be profound, and that God will respond to the prayer of his people. So if that's you this morning, just hungry for a fresh baptism, would you repeat after me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And right now, I receive a fresh baptism. Baptism in your Holy Spirit. I thank you God for filling my life to overflowing. I ask Father that you would restore to me the joy of my salvation. That you would stir a love in me beyond my circumstance. Beyond where I'm planted beyond the heat of the sun, but from the source of your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, I pray that you're feeling encouraged, inspired, and equipped to take on whatever you may be facing in this life. And hey, why don't you consider joining us? We meet every Sunday at the Clark Center in Arroyo Grande at 10 a.m., and it's always a good time. We'd love to have you with us. And for any more information, ways you can partner with us, please visit equipperscc.com God bless.